All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to the start of a project that I have been sitting on and working on for almost a year, which is a full-length commentary to all 14 episodes of the one season of the amazing, transcendent, brilliant, hilarious show, Firefly by Joss Whedon, with an amazing cast and amazing writing, which I did with Maddie G last year. Then I got busy with work, realized how much work 14 episodes was going to be. I've only done this once before with Jessica Jones season one, but I've always wanted to release it. And while the initial plan was to release it last year during the 15th anniversary of the first episode, this actually works out well, if somewhat sadly, which is that in August is actually the uh, 15th episode, uh, I'm sorry, 15th anniversary of the final episode. So I'm going to try and release all 14 before then. Um, One of the reasons I have renewed interest in this is me and Matt have been doing a lot of podcasts again after taking a break. Um, I've also been just wanting to release more commentary and and more uh, content. There's not a lot of great movies this summer that I'm at all interested in. I'm not really a big TV guy, but I do love the show. It's probably my favorite show or at least favorite single season of a show, even though it is only one season. And we have an absolute blast. And I realized that only a few of the episodes needed some real massaging. Most of these are pretty ready to go. And we do do, uh, do do, uh, Matt and I do. Uh, short um, intros before most of them. The very first episode, we do a bit of a longer intro because it's the pilot. The very last episode, we do a bit of a longer in- intro, um, but in a, in a uh, heavy discussion at the end. So the final 14th episode, Objects in Space, um, where we do a wrap-up. I'm hoping to get Matt on um, either to just do a short intro before one of the episodes uh, to just check in with him a year later and kind of talk about this whole process because this was his idea, um, and he helped push us along as much as is me, not more so. Um, or even do, uh, you know, sometime during the release of these episodes, which I plan like three a week for the next few weeks, um, or after I release them all. Anyways, hoping to have Matty G on to talk about it more. He'll definitely be on for other podcasts. So um, this is going to work like any other commentary. So it'll be an intro, and then there'll be the normal three, two, one, go countdown. Um, we are working off of the like official Blu-ray files. Um, where, you know, it goes uh, right into the cold open um, and then into the great music um, and then into the episode. So it should line up pretty well and you'll get the instructions before each episode. Um, and I'd just like to say this was a pleasure and an honor to do with Matt. And uh, the only thing I would add, guys, is that we get more and more excitable as as Whedon says, uh, or as the crew says, uh, uh, about the episodes as they go along because they get better and better and more and more hilarious and so some of the episodes were really talking over each other or just laughing a lot and uh, I I decided not to do strong edits partially for time reasons of 14 episodes but partially because that was just part of the experience was us you know being so excited that we were you know talking over each other and laughing and making jokes and coming up with crazy theories and so forth 
And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that for now. Um, I hope you enjoy the pilot episode. Um, like I said, there's a short intro, and then we jump into the full double-length uh, episode, which did not actually air first, which you will hear about as a tease. Um, and I'm going to drop a little bit of that bu- uh, beautiful uh, musical theme written by Joss Whedon uh, for the Firefly TV show. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. I uh, would always appreciate feedback and uh, enjoy the show. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. There's no place I can be since I found serenity. All right, BizzleCast listeners, welcome to the long-awaited, and for me at least, a much-anticipated commentary for the pilot episode of the greatest cult sci-fi television show of all time, Firefly, with Joss Whedon. We have so much to talk about. Before we go further, the man who suggested it himself, Matty G. Matt. Hey, everybody. I uh, This is, yeah, an idea I had a while ago. I think, um, I mean, I, the first Bizzlecast I ever listened to or that I ever, uh, that familiarized me with this was uh, Jesse's commentary on serenity so um i'm not sure i listened to all of it but that was definitely my first introduction to this program at all um this is not something that i watched when i was when it was on the air i uh, watched firefly kind of after i caught caught up on angel and buffy out of college so this was in the mid-2000s but i think this is definitely the best show that joss whedon's ever done and maybe the thing that really took him to another level creatively. And I think this more than maybe something like Buffy or Angel, which were more mainstream Mm -hmm. was what put him in at this kind of center of nerd culture and probably paved the way for him to get the Avengers. Um, so I, I'm not just saying this, buddy. You know me. I, I'm an honest guy. Um, but between Bizzlecast 20 and 30 is really where I found my style and my comfort mm-hmm. level. And Bizzlecast 20 was my commentary for 2009 reboot of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, somewhere in the mid-20s, I did both the Serenity commentary and the Guardians of the Galaxy commentary, which, for the record, I went in ready to criticize a whole bunch of small things and ended up just laughing my ass off and having a really fun time talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe we'll I'll even do a Redux version of that with you before the new <laughs> one, if you want, even though that's like, what am I most listened to ever? It's like over 300 listens, my Guardians commentary. So those three commentaries, but then call me in our Star Trek for Star Wars, Asimov Avengers, uh, Bizzlecast 30, was mm-hmm. really where I felt like I, I stepped around a corner. And it's not a coincidence that it was so close together. Serenity is one of my favorite movies ever. I saw Serenity long before I saw Firefly. I can't describe to you the exact timeline. I was aware of it when I saw Serenity. So I went backwards. Um, and we aren't going to linger too long on the fact that this uh, you know show was canceled way before its time, as evidence 
convinced by the fact that they basically beg the, the, the cast and director to do a movie, you know, years later for it because of how popular the DVDs were. They aired it out right. of order. The pilot was aired last. Three of the 14 episodes were not aired. If you're watching this with us, you've probably seen, I think, uh, at least once all the episodes. So, uh, you know, the, I'm not going to put on a spoiler warning. We've all seen this before, but Matt and I have some, have some fun and interesting insights, I think, uh, into what's going on here. So, Matt, just really quickly before we jump in so we get it out ahead of time, what's sort of your story for how you approach this property, uh, you know, chronology-wise in your life? Yeah, so I started, I knew what Firefly was when it was on. I didn't know very much about it, but I certainly was aware of it. It was a show that was frequently watched at the comic store in the town I grew up in, so I definitely caught a couple of episodes uh, that way just because it was on in the background. And So we were, I'm sorry to interrupt, we were, I believe, sophomores. It's the fall of sophomore year, fall 2002, that this aired, I think. And I didn't have TV in college, so that's, yeah, it's interesting. Um. That may be the case. I mean, that comic store I've been going to since I was about 13 and then have continued going to for many years uh, since. So, uh, But that was probably where I saw my first thing. I knew that they had made a movie. But yeah, when I got out of college, uh, I the people I lived with um, had all of the Buffy and Angel DVDs. And so, you know, these guys were like some of my best friends. They knew I liked this kind of stuff. So... Started with Buffy, then watched Angel, and around the same time, also started watching Firefly. Um, and I think I, I'm not sure if I warmed up to it immediately, like first second, but I pretty quickly got into it. I mean, I, I bought the DVDs even after I had watched all of them. Uh, so clearly, I really, really liked it. Um, so here's where your nerd cred goes way past mine because I, I, <laughs> I was aware of Buffy obviously in high school. It came out when I was mm-hmm. a junior and senior in high school or something, and I had a lot of really cool female friends in high school who fucking loved Buffy. You know, they were the kind of girls who were like, you know, semi goth but semi like good girls who get good grades and are intellectual. And so Buffy right. was like the perfect show for them. And so whenever we were hanging out and they put on Buffy, like you know, we would get into to it but i wasn't watching religiously i knew nothing about whedon and it I, I hate to say it but it was the finding out that there was a, a semi-indie sci-fi movie coming out in 2004 2005 with serenity directed by a uh, alum from our, our college wesleyan uh, yep. that got me interested and me and my dad as you heard in that commentary we sat in that theater knowing nothing about these characters and two things were immediately apparent one they had unbelievable like almost like preternatural chemistry with one another yeah and two it was hysterical from beginning to end even while dealing with serious subject matters in one of the scariest and most violent pg-13 sci-fi villains that we've ever seen in chiwetel ejiofor we can talk about another time so you were aware of the whedon phenomenon which is really cool yeah um i, I certainly the fact that he was a wes is a wes alum uh certainly raised his cred a little bit for me but yeah i um i don't know if i had ever watched anything he had done before uh i started watching buffy the vampire slayer um i'm not even sure i'd seen the movie at that point which he did play an initial role in but then was so annoyed with cuts that he basically took his name off of it mm-hmm. um 
which is why he doesn't really talk about that movie all that much um, because really he ultimately what we saw what came out in theaters very cute movie but he had very little to do with it in the end um and much less well remembered than what he actually produced. oh yeah yeah and all the yeah, actors uh, i mean i mean we won't even go there now because we'll, we'll stick to these actors but the, the, the actors that joss whedon has made quote unquote over the years is pretty staggering um mm-hmm. so we won't talk too much about serenity i will direct you i think it's Bizzlecast 27 that's how much i love that commentary that i remember that i think it's 27 um the serenity commentary i just have an absolute joyride through it and uh, it's one of my better commentaries even to today um maddie and i if we have a good time which we definitely will and if it goes well which it probably will and if you guys like it which maybe you will then we will continue <laughs> to do the entire series for as long as we can because there's really no rush and it's the internet um but uh if we do get to um bushwhack to the third episode which you and i disagree heavily on at that point we can maybe start talking about reavers and serenity and i know i like the movie more than you at least in comparison to the series and you know mm-hmm. the, uh, let's put it this way I don't think there's any Firefly fans that hated Serenity, but there is a big gap I don't between. Think so either. Yeah, there's a big gap between those of us who liked and loved it. I, I'm in the the uh, latter category of having loved the movie and that informing the series, and I've got this amazing feedback cycle whether I'm watching the the series or the movie or all at once. That, that works great for me. So we'll we'll table that for now, Matt. Well, I think we're going to jump into this as sort of a, an auteur auteur excuse me a piece of of work here in terms of mainstream television right i think we can say yeah i would definitely agree with that all right so people Uh so um as me and matt are going to do you want to queue up your dvds blu-rays digital files whatever to zero hour zero minutes zero seconds if you have a dvd or a blu-ray you might want to account for the fact that there could be a second or two skipping if you pause and then come back um we're going to try and be pretty precise on this ourselves um i always say put subtitles on of course i like to have a little ambient sound like five to ten percent matt likes to go silent a lot of a lot of um and and when i watch other commentaries i sometimes go silent so i leave that up to you so i'm going to let you guys cue it up and we're going to lead you into the countdown all right bizzlecast listeners i hope you're queued up me and Hetty, i hope are queued up and we're going to count you down i'm going to say three two one go and when i say go you should immediately hit play on your physical or digital media and that i'm really excited to do this with you buddy hell yeah let's get to it all right three two one go all right, so we open up with the War of Unification, a uh, battle, a war that gets talked about throughout the series. And what this opening scene is really, really good at in a very short period of time is explaining all of the different characteristics that make up the main character, Mal Reynolds, Malcolm Reynolds, um, played by Nathan Fillion, that he is going to lose in this battle. This is the Battle of Serenity Valley. As we're about to find out, this is the battle where his side, the rebel group, the brown coats, as they're called, you can see him wearing a brown mm. uh, duster jacket, um, as they're called, when they lose. When uh, essentially, I think the mythology goes that the rebels just finally surrendered. Mm. I think nobody in the battle, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, planned it that way, but the higher ups on some other planet in the core just said, all right, we're done with this. And so all the things we're seeing here with Malcolm's character 
are aspects of him that he is about that he's going to lose in the present day um, when this battle is over it takes us to the present day you will see him kiss his cross he was religious at one point and is incredibly resentful of organized religion and faith or not resentful cynical about it in the modern day he's fairly optimistic you know he talks about we are very pretty we are too good looking for god to let us die um and again some that's another side of him that he isn't anymore he is self-effacing in the present but he's not particularly optimistic about anything he very much sees himself as just trying to survive and this scene right there is the kissing the cross clearly he was a man of faith right there we see zoe uh his second in command the only character from uh this battle that is going to survive this war and go on to join him um played by gina torres right oh yeah the wife of Uh, Lawrence fishburne there you go among other Uh, things and being an amazing badass as Joss Whedon once said, if that was if I was that beautiful, I would just be haughty all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for a show that didn't have a great budget, and you got to remember, this was what two thousand, I think. Yeah. This is a pretty well done sci-fi action fight sequence. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of the kind of I don't know what to call it, uh, sh- almost shaky cam like shooting. Battlestar Galactica, when it would come out, would use a lot of these shooting oh, strategy, uh, yes. filming tactics. Oh, yes. Um, we'll get back to that I, big time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Man of Steel copied some of the same stuff, although they probably took it more from Battlestar. Um, but, you know, the way this, this is, is done, this is a style that other science fiction properties, a lot of them in the 21st century, were going to copy. And so if we want to talk about the long-term legacy of Firefly, this was one of them is that he really changed the way sci-fi series were shot because Mm -hmm. Star Trek was very much a three camera thing. We've talked about that repeatedly, you know, uh, Farscape was very similarly shot, you know, a lot of static cameras and not a lot of movement, not a lot of zooms or double zooms. Um, you know, what's going on here, this is just an extended scene about the end of Mal's old life. Um, and it's very well done. It's very potent uh, and powerful. But a lot of this, you know, this is all we're really going to see of this war until right at the end of this season of television. Everything else is just kind of referred to. Yep. Um I just just to jump in real quick. Um, as I said, so anyway, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say I don't want to uh, dwell too much on the movie Serenity, but what I do love is there's a direct line of the Mal from here to the Mal at the end of Serenity when he says, "I aim to misbehave." It takes all of these really arduous journeys in battles and struggles and challenges and finally getting pushed into reverse space with their backs against the wall and all their friends dead for him to finally get this sort of optimism back in a way at the end of the series. If I sort of look at Serenity as, as season two, I may, I may refer to it as such. Um, and, uh, and, but the cross is really important for explaining why he allows Shepard Book uh, to wander around the ship. Um, yeah, yeah. Whedon has said, and uh, Nathan Fillion has said the same thing that Mal basically takes people onto his boat that represent things that he's lost, that Simon is his idealism, that, 
uh, Shepherd book is his faith, that Inara is his capacity to love, uh, that he, Zoe is his commitment to a cause. You know, he doesn't really believe all that much in the value of what he did as he's older. Um, and uh, all of these characters, you know, um, Kaylee is his optimism. All these different people he brings on represent something that he's trying to get back in his life this kind of emptiness he's trying to can, fill. Can, can I ask you a more mundane question? Sure. Which is, if you're Fox in 2002, and you see that opening five minutes, which for the budget at the time on a network looks spectacular, like, why would you not want to lead with that? That's what's so perplexing with the whole Firefly saga, which we won't go fully into here, but I just want to tease, which is that Fox had absolute gold and eventually realized it and greenlit a movie that was never supposed to happen. But it's not clear. I mean, this episode is so epic. It has some weak points, which we will point out, but we're what? We're about uh, six, seven minutes in, and so far, this looks really, really, really good for a sci-fi TV property on Fox. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. I absolutely love this. Alan Tudyk. I mean, this is a fertile land, and we will thrive. (laughs) Yeah, this is... Why people love this show oh, is because it, it is it. a sci-fi western where a guy plays with dinosaur figures. And, and we I will mean, call it This Land. Curse your sudden betrayal. <laughs> I mean, these characters, these characters are just so fantastic. Every one of them is so well done, so well acted, so well written. Uh, just, you love, uh, there's no character on this show I don't love. Um, even the ones who are assholes. I mean, I love Jane way more than Adam Baldwin, who's a terrible human being. But Horrible Jane person. makes him. But Jane makes him seem lovable. Yeah. Um, I wanted to point out quickly in that Battle of Serenity Valley when Zoe says where to lay down arms. There's a brilliant moment of facial acting by Nathan Fillion where he loses that smirk that he's had for the entire. Fir- you know, time up until then. And you see the guy get blown away next to him and he doesn't move, you know, and this look of just everything he believed in is just dying and washing out of the bottom of his, at the bottom of his face. Basically, it's an amazing, very subtle piece of acting, but that's the moment that crystallizes this idea that this was incredibly emotionally costly battle and war for him. And it's left him as this kind of hollowed out, survive at all costs human being um can i just point something out really early on with the kelly shot there um by the way i refer to these ships as apartment buildings in space and when you get to the serenity movie the capital ships ships look amazing which is important because the final battle that's not a battle where they're trying not to die looks spectacular but um how great is it in 2002 to have a sci-fi show with three major female characters who are all cool and attractive and badass and interesting and smart in completely different ways? And two are people of color because Morena Baccarin yes. is Brazilian. She is. You know, she's very light-skinned. She's also extremely beautiful. And uh, extremely funny, but- as we've seen here and in Deadpool. You know, but yeah, oh my God. Uh, but she is, she, I would, you know, she is not American. She's not Caucasian exactly. She is a Brazilian, um, or at least part, or at least a partial Brazilian ancestry. Um, sorry. 
I'm going to do, I love your thematic analysis, so keep going on that. I'm going to just do a little inside baseball, I'll pepper here or there. So, Marina Bacharin was at the the new school um, studying acting, uh, where a lot of young actors get their start, and was like hand-plucked by Whedon, basically. Fillion had been sort of around for a while. I believe he's Canadian, he's from like Manitoba or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And Ellen Tudyk. She's actually of Italian descent, it turns out, but she was born in Rio. So yeah, yeah. Well, for for you know, people say Giselle Bunchen is Brazilian, but she's really German. Um, uh, but uh, speaking of German, they're they're not hiding the Aryanness of the of the commander here. Yeah, the Dortmunder. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they. I don't know if you agree with this, Matt. I've said this in Serenity and numerous in my, uh, you know, other Whedon podcasts that Whedon for a non-Jew has a pretty Jewish sense of humor. He really loves sticking it to the Germans and the Aryans in various ways. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, I think that's one of the few moments in the show where there's like a real, yeah, the the firefly. And you (sighs) wonder why it's called that. This is, this explains it. This light up explosive butt of the ship and and when a firefly of uh, the insect that light is coming from its ass yep so i have a, a very horribly clever- i have a horribly cynical theory okay which is that if they had called the series not firefly something more catchy it would have done better i don't think so i think, think firefly so? is a is a great name i'm not saying it. i don't like it. i'm just saying i remember at the time hearing there was a sci-fi show called firefly and not being really interested in it i wonder if they called the show serenity that would make a little bit more sense because the ship's name serenity but that effect is beautiful and you mm-hmm. just don't see it right it's like hyperspace without hyperspace i uh Personally, I think Firefly is a better name than it Serenity. Is. I have frequently confused Serenity with a uh, John Cusack movie called Serendipity that came out actually not too far okay. apart from when Serenity came I out. I want to get back to this. God, Here we this go. Is, this, this is, is controversial. The greatest theme song ever. This, some fans been, love this. Some fans hate this. Your take. Really? I To me, this is my favorite theme song in a TV show of all time. I can't think of one I like more than this. I will watch YouTube clips of just the theme song. I think this... Matt, I have two words for you that are one word. Amen. However, I did think it was cheesy initially, and I know some fans think so. I love it. Joss Whedon wrote this himself, and I've heard him do the acoustic version. It's beautiful. Yeah. What do you mean men? What's what's men mean? What's the problem? Well, amen's one word, so I said amen, two words, one word. Sorry. Ah, uh, okay. Here we go. Oh, this shot's horrible, uh, but I love it. Agree this, with yeah. I, amen, I agree with you. Okay. Yes, I'm <laughs> right on board with you. Here we go. Looking at cargo, this is something we often see, right? This is a common Firefly shot. What did we steal, and how did we get fucked by it in ways we didn't expect right. possible? I, uh, oh, Mark A. Shepard. We'll talk about him when he comes on, yeah. What's interesting here is what this stuff turns out to be. Also, we all right. First sign of Chinese, you know, this idea of this fusion, Sino-American alliance. I think is what the actual name of the the governing body in this universe is called. So the idea is America and China, who are basically the biggest superpowers in the world right now. They just kept becoming that way until eventually the cultures completely merged. There are a lot of jokes about that. There's a lot of Mandarin in this. So what this uh, scene is interest uh, makes clear that I think is a little more interesting than the, the Chinese thing, which is a cool gimmick. It's definitely one of the things that makes this universe unique. Uh, 
but what I find fascinating is that stuff that they steal, it turns out to basically be just kind of a basic protein pack. And it's something that you don't think is very important. But when this universe starts shifting away from the central planets towards the planets on the periphery, that's kind of stuff is really, really important. In another episode, Bushwhacked, which comes in two episodes from now, what they take that's the most valuable is basic terraforming and colony starter equipment, stuff that basically can turn arid soil into arid soil you can grow stuff in and you can basically farm and live off of. And that's like the most valuable commodity on the outer worlds. And what Whedon's point was, and he said this repeatedly, is what he didn't like about Star Trek or what he's never liked about it is that even in a world where we have this sort of utopian future where a lot of problems of the world have been solved, there would always be people on the periphery, people on the edge, people struggling to survive. And those people's stories are never told in Star Trek. And when he envisioned Firefly, he envisioned a show where the characters were going to be of those people on the periphery and mostly working with those people of the periphery, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes taking advantage of them. But Almost always, those are the people that he's dealing with. Now, there are a couple of of episodes on core planets. My favorite episode is Ariel, which is about robbing a core planet hospital. Okay, can, we get back, just, can we get back to that? Can we get back sure. to that? Uh, can I point out just some relationship stuff real quick? Mm-hmm. So, like in the movie Serenity, in the first uh, pilot episode, they establish most of the major relationships very early on. Right. Uh, making Inara's, I mean, let's put it this way, Ma- making M- Morena Baccarin's first major scene on television or film be this scene takes a lot of courage from a young actress. Joss yeah. Whedon is smart enough to know that the romantic stuff shouldn't be overdone, and they immediately show her regal here talking to the kid. And mm-hmm. what's great is he's totally in love with her. And right. she realizes that she's fucking up because you realize that she's like a super classy, intellectual, high class geisha. And so she can't have her clients falling in love with her. But she just has this natural exuberance. Right? Do you see that look there by her? Mm-hmm. She Very looked away so. off, off, you know, her actual face. I mean, we right. see stuff like that all the time. I also wanted to point to Ka- uh, Kaylee kissing Mal on the cheek and saying, I love my captain. Platonic right. male-female and male-male and female-female relationships are so important in this series. Like, Kaylee sure. and Inara's relationship arguably... Uh, is the biggest uh, cut from the movie that I, I was upset by, uh, even though I saw the movie first. They hint at it later when, when you know, she keeps talking about Inara and Mal, you know, ignoring his love for her, but the Kaylee-Inara uh, f- uh, female-female relationship is great. The Kaylee-Mal, um, uh, you know, friendly love fest that they have, you know, he'll, he'll never admit it, but then he'll buy her a dress and he, he wants her to be happy. And I, I've talked right. about, man, how... The person, other than Inara and just his buddies and his crewmates, the person who Mal's really fighting for from sort of an archetypal standpoint, and this is a great reveal that she's in a shuttle and not just a uh, a room and a, you know, a mm-hmm. brothel or something, Mal's really fighting for Kaylee. He'll never admit it, at least not until the end of Serenity, but the existence of people like Kelly in a universe like this, as you've described, right. where it's not the good people who are always doing well, and it's not the bad people who are doing poorly, you know, I, I, I think it, it cannot be stressed enough. 
Um, they also hint in the movie uh, and in the series about Jane being jealous of Kaylee. You know, right. Jane thinks Kaylee's a simpleton and to just sort of fall for him when she's really not. She's an extremely complicated person, which is why Simon is the perfect fit for her. And right. as I've said that, you know, when I first saw Serenity the theater and she says to Simon at the end when they're about to die and they're shooting the reavers, like, and, and Simon says, the only thing I, I ever wish is that I, you know, told you how I felt about you. I remember seeing that initially in the theater being like, oh my God, that's cheesy. But then you watch the series and you're so pumped for it because that relationship, right. they really, and, and that's the, be the theme for me is over 14 episodes, they accomplish like three to four seasons worth of, of character material, I think. Absolutely. And it's worth mentioning, I've never really quite gotten the Jane as jealous of Kaylee argument. I've never heard that before. It's possible. Well, he does. He he embarrasses her in this episode. Yeah. uh, He embarrasses her a couple of times. uh, But at the same time, when she gets shot, he is willing to throw that agent out of a space lock. I mean, he is also. He loves her. That's what I'm saying. I think he does love her. Yeah. I don't think he loves her in a romantic or a sexual way. I think he is just. He's just not capable of it. Yeah. I think he's very protective yes. of her. Um, yeah. And I think he, he cares about her very much. Um, now we are on the planet. You see good dog in the background and the idea that they're, <laughs> they're for eating, not for, for pets. That's a joke about Chinese culture. Um, I think even the sign has got Mandarin, ex, you know, explaining what's for sale. Um, again, the Chinese thing, I think, is one of the more unique facets of this mythology. I think it's also a little bit gimmicky, but uh, it's but certainly from, something... But from a performance standpoint for the actors, they right. bitch about it, but they also can repeat uh, all the major lines because they had to spend so much time learning yeah. them, and they say it with such emotion. So, you know, it was almost like... I mean, Whedon is the ultimate, like, doesn't care about method acting guy. You know, Whedon's the ultimate, right. like, I can get a great dramatic and comedic performance out of you without you having to method act, but he'll do these little things, like these language tricks, and even does it mm-hmm. on a smaller level in Avengers with their quirky sense of humor, where, you know, he forces his actors to speak a certain language together, even if they don't understand understand right. that language and so yes the chinese thing would be anno- annoying and pretentious but for some reason with this execution it works yes. for me and here's badger mark shepherd who's also in battlestar a pretty hilarious uh, he is actor. in so I, mark shepherd is one of the all-time great like nerd uh character actors i mean he's been in so many things he had a great t- uh, guest spot on doctor who he i believe is on supernatural right now as a as a recurring character he is just really good at giving these really, really memorable performances, and it's almost always in these kind of shows, in science fiction shows or fantasy or horror, you know, genre TV. But he, he's just so wonderful to watch, um, and his interactions with Mal and Jane are really, really, really great. Um, they're great here. They're great in Shindig. Uh, you know, it is always a blast when he comes on and it is one of the shames that will very likely never get more, um, Firefly is that that whole relationship of watching him and Mal try to outman each other. We'll never get to see that again. You know, we only get a couple of episodes of that and those episodes are so good. Those scenes are so good. Um, and this is what I give Whedon credit for. It's, you know the scene with the creepy uh, 
uh, Jewish uh, twins in the Serenity movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, domestic um, trouble. Domestic trouble. Domestic trouble. That would have been the scene to put Badger in. But Whedon right. says, nope, I'm going to do this. And then, nope, I'm going to cast David Krumholtz as Mr. Universe and yep. be one of the uh, scene-stealing uh, uh, parts of that movie. Among, I mean, that's the thing about Serenity, man. Say what you will. But but the cast is already scene-stealing, and you add the, the actors that they got, you know, from Chiwetel to Krumholtz. Whedon just has an eye for talent. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and this guy is one of them. And I will say, I think I saw most or all of Battlestar before I actually went back and watched all of Firefly. Mm-hmm. And I, I did know that Ron Moore is good buddies with, with Mark Shepard. I think they run in the same circles and that's part of why he's in a lot of science fiction things. Um, but Wouldn't he single handedly made work the Baltar trial, which should never have worked with Apollo. Right. I mean, For that, sure. that three episode arc went from one of my least favorite favorite parts of the series to one of my most favorite parts of the series on repeat viewings because of him mm-hmm. and the way he moderates between you know baltar and apollo who are both up their ass for various reasons definitely um and it, 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 this is yet another look at that shot right there where they zoom the camera out another yep. reason why they should have should have uh, started with this now back to the chinese thing i mean they're clearly giving off the you know this is the future and everyone's international but unlike right. starfleet where they all look the same this is more the multicultural model of, yes, we're all together, but we're all different and doing our own thing. Right, exactly. That we would never, and again, I don't know that this show was ever envisioned as a dig at Star Trek, but I think it definitely, I don't think so. you know, for one, I'm pretty sure Whedon is a Star Trek fan. I think he's a fan of most types, of, of most of the well-known genre things that there's ever been oh, I mean, yeah. doctor who fan there's i think no he's a Star way Wars that fan. young there's no way that young joss whedon wasn't watching the original star trek that's impossible yeah, exactly yeah. but i think he definitely did have a point to make about yep. star trek and this was sort of his point that um even if we solved everything we would never reach a state of uniformity and we would never reach this point where people would be completely without struggle and that maybe i i would think mal would make the argument We should never want to do that because if we did that, we would lose something that makes us fundamentally human. Um, yeah, and, and our exact political situation is bearing this out right now. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable, you know? It was like, during Obama, in my head, it was like, oh, we're all slowly starting to come together. Nope! <laughs> we're no, all completely different in what makes us a horrible race and also an amazing race is our, our differences. And um, uh, to, to bridge to this, because I want to talk about Ron Glass, who, who passed sadly recently. He's an Emmy-nominated actor who had been in significant television and film roles and theater roles since like the 60s and 70s um he's actually much older than he looks here i think he's well into his mid to late 50s here Um, i think he passed away this year didn't he no, I was saying, I, I began the sentence by saying he passed away recently. Oh, there we so sorry. go. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. I know. It's hard not to watch the show. Is really right. It's really Yeah, it's almost impossible. All, yeah. all of this, what we're watching right now, this yeah. is basically the origin story for about half the characters. We're going to get the origin story for, you know, how they got on Firefly, where Jane and Wash came from, etc., where Kaylee came from. That's all in Out of Gas. That's a later episode in this season in in the only season there is but this is basically the origin story for simon river uh and shepherd book you know how they got on the ship um and it's kind of interesting that basically what you have are two characters whose narrative is basically driving a lot of what happens throughout the show and the movie and a guy who, who, wait, who are we talking about simon and river 
Oh, I Simon mean, and River. I thought you were saying Book and River. Go ahead. Yeah. No, Book is the other character. No, no. Keep going Simon- on Simon and River because I want to talk about Book. Well, all I was going to say is Simon and River's narrative is at the core of everything that is going to happen to them yeah. season and in the movie. It's all yeah. about them. The operative is hunting them down because of what River knows and out of fear that maybe Simon knows it too. It's all about the two of them. They are the most critical narrative in or sub story in the narrative of Firefly, not from a character perspective necessarily, but um, from a narrative perspective, I think they're it. Shepard Book, meanwhile, I think is very much the character most on the outside. Um, you know, he struggles the most to feel like he fits in in this much dingier, darker place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the John Lennon glasses just kill me every yeah. time. What this episode does really does Kelly. a really She's interesting so job of is it makes Simon seem like the bad guy and it doesn't make it at all so it doesn't at all suggest until the final reveal who that there's a cop on board that you know who you think the bad guy is yeah does isn't made clear until right at the end and you're pretty sure that it's the other, that it's the other guy so that's a good bit of misdirection by a uh, Whedon yeah, I mean, I had already seen Serenity numerous times before I watched this, and so, right, so you knew. I knew exactly I where thought, it was going. I really thought Simon was a one-episode bad guy, and the guy who turns out to be the agent was yeah. the good guy, and I was very wrong. So, I want to leave Simon in River, because I think Summer Glau is a transcendent actress, which mm-hmm. I'm going to save. I think um, Sean Marr, who plays Simon, is excellent in this particular role. And when Simon gets bad lines, it's just that. It's, he has a couple bad lines written. Sure. When he's written well or anything with him interacting with his sister, you know m- me being an older brother with a sister. I love these relationships, and they nail it. And right. I mean, the, the, the scene in the movie at the end when she saves him when we think he's gonna die i mean yep. it just it, it makes me cry every time honestly I, I i like i get chills and i cry and there's moments in this series including ariel and other ones where i feel the same way shepherd book never quite works for me in the series but mm-hmm. before i explore this further and i'm gonna wait until he reveals who he is a little bit more um because i do like ron glass it's almost all because of the writing i speculated that joss did not know what to do with him at least in season one and then somehow even though he had to kill him spoiler alert in serenity the, the shepherd in the movie is so cool i mean he only has two scenes in the movie the mm-hmm. scene where he's advising mal and then the scene where he's dying advising right. mal and it's so powerful dramatically between those two that I, I come back to the series and i forgive all of the small little things that i don't love because it, th- that just nailed it home for me I, I don't know how you feel about the shepherd book situation i i liked book i think certainly we didn't knew what the plot arc was going to be with him but no i don't think he really envisioned you do think so 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 you think when he when they established that he has high alliance connections that joss already had a sense yeah because we see in the episode safe that it's already hinted that he's got connections so clearly we didn't maybe he hadn't completely thought out everything that was going to happen with uh, book's character but i think he definitely had a, a pretty good conception of what book was going to be yep. but i think we uh, his plot was something that was going to be coming in later seasons and we just never got it yep. um you know i think we didn't you know when you have 10 or 12 episodes whatever however many there are, i think there's only 10 you can't 
do every plot story and you want to save stuff for the future. And certainly when he conceived this show, he figured he'd be doing it for a while. So I think book was always going to be a plot for a later season and he just never got to do it. I mean, Um, I'm a huge Whedon fanboy, but I don't know a ton about his personal biography. But to me as a writer and a a rabid sci-fi and fantasy reader, Shepard book seems like a character that would be written by a sci-fi genius. Who's an atheist with a Christian background. I mean, that seems like this is Joss Whedon's way of trying to deal with God who he claims to not believe in, but there's always a spirituality, you know, like we talk about the captain America line in the Avengers, right? Um, wh- what does he say? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, there's ma'am. One, there's only one God. I don't think he dresses like that or whatever. I think it's, I think the quote is there's only one yeah. God, ma'am. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you might be right. I certainly think uh, Whedon is very much kind of a humanist, and he has a very a very it's an, spiritual it's an take on. Overwritten character. Uh, it, yeah. it seems like an underwritten character, but it's actually an overwritten character. And the best scenes are when he's trying to like reach out to River, and she's so yeah. freaked out by him, and she's like rearranging his Bible and stuff. You know, just keep walking, preacher man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and again, you're not wrong, but it's also kind of like. Do you even care? Because Ron Glass does such a great job with the role that he's still so fun and enjoyable to watch, Mm -hmm. even if the character is not quite as... This is a great Ron Glass moment. He knows what the line is. He's an actor. He's read the script. But you totally buy that he's completely thrown off by what's going on here. Right, exactly. This is where you can Uh, tell he's a good actor. And you buy him here, and so you buy it throughout the series. Yeah. Although it is interesting... Beyond this episode, it's really screwing with them. I'm sorry, Mel. Mel for like two or three episodes is really trying to make the shepherd uncomfortable, and then the shepherd starts disarming Mel, and that's what makes that relationship great, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, there are a couple of moments here where how Mel acts is, if not out of character, is a, a little bit different. You know, the later on in this when he pretends that Zoe did, uh, that Kaylee didn't make it, and he literally yes. says, "I'm psychotic." I that's a little darker than most of the jokes uh, Mal tells for the rest of the episode, uh, the mm-hmm. season. Um, I always felt like Mal. Sorry, I'm going to get all charactery because I love Firefly character stuff. Uh, I think it's what makes the show it the makes, most memorable. Makes the show the most memorable ever. Uh, uh, here's the strawberries with Kelly. Yeah. Look at this orgasmo face that she puts on here. She's a great actress. I always find Mal is jealous of Kelly because even though she's not having an actual sexual relationship with Inara, he's she's getting to spend way more time and have way more physical contact than he is. And so I think there's actually part of him that's jealous. I mean, that's what's great about these relationships and the sexualities, right? I mean, Inara sleeps with a woman at some point. Like, it, yeah. w- we know that they're a male companion. Um, at least from the movie. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, th- I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a shot when uh, in in Mal's you know ill intentioned uh, or at least ill planned attempt to save Inara from the operative at Serenity. There's a bunch of like half naked male companions walking around the uh, the the compound. That's not and I think interesting they that you mentioned that. That's not actually, that's not Sinon. That's not an official guild uh, site. Okay, whatever, so, whatever, fine, fine, fine. But well, the point is, in 2002 picking. on Fox, the show is at least, you know. 
For sure. I mean, the, the, the way the men, again, I say this in Battlestar, in, in this show, as in Battlestar, the women are actually the harder asses in a good way than the men are. I mean, Jane's a big sap, you know, beneath all of that psychosis. You right. Know, he's a weak guy. Mal is a super sensitive guy. Um, all the women on the ship can disarm Mal, right? I mean, yeah. think about it. You know, Simon's a super sensitive guy. River's the baddest of badasses. Um, by the way, I just wanted to mention that, you know, I, I, I always say Sean Mar is excellent in this series and in this role. He, he was able to figure out uh, how to play Simon uh, pre the reveal and Simon post the reveal. And those are pretty much his only two Simons. Like there's like the mm-hmm. pilot Simon and then there's all the Simon from now forward. But I'm totally fine with that. I got no problem with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said again and again, I love Simon's character. I, it's not exactly easy to convince people that so, somebody you don't oh, know is. is your, you know, is. is flesh and blood and that you really care about them. And, I bought every second of the idea that he just had to keep her safe, that, you know, his protectiveness of her never oh, feels gimmicky. Lubed up over some big city dandy. Yep. And this is writing 101, man. And this is why I watch this stuff over and over again as a writer, to get inspired. Like, creating a situation of tension, humiliation, embarrassment, and shame of your right. main characters in the first quarter of the pilot episode... Mm-hmm. Look how much is accomplished, and Mal's still eaten. Like, this has happened yep. a million times. What do you pay him for? Mal, what? What was the <laughs> job? <laughs> it's a really funny scene, and again, it... Public relations. And again, it goes a lot to set up the dynamics on this ship in a way that doesn't exactly have to be sta- you know, spelled out really black and white. But clearly, Mal, for Jane, for all of his bravado takes orders he still thinks mal is the captain and still ultimately respects him enough to not just tell him to fuck off when basically mal orders him to leave um so okay let's talk about morena baccarin huge star now i mean nominated for roles in both homeland um and actually in some places for her role on deadpool which she should have been nominated for Mm -hmm. um this is a great scene, and he admits later that he's a sinner, basically, right? Yep. I mean, yeah, and and she's made him weak the way she makes Mal weak, and that's why Mal can trust him. I mean, it's unbelievable, these connections. I, I think the... <laughs> one has lepers. One has lepers. Yeah, I think I'm The writing is so good in this show. Amazing. I, he's definitely read his Bible, was what I was getting to early. Joss right. Whedon, either on his own time or as a kid, or went to Sunday school or at Wesleyan, took religion. Mm-hmm classes with you know jeremy what's his name or whoever jeremy's welling jeremy's welling and took and and, and, you know and uh i told you i thought josh was jewish um and and knows his bible um but i I don't think that the inara thing ever really gets um what's the word i'm looking for like overly sexualized and manipulative to a point that can't be explained by her character. I mean, it's really important that she is sensually on like a whole nother level for most people, but that's right. also a thing that torments her. <laughs> Unlike this guy. <laughs> I love this. And they kick it right into the wall. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah the whole, the design of the ship is amazing. And it, I think it helped that they really did build this. They ship, built the whole you thing. Know? They built the whole thing and they gave up on it after 10 or 11 episodes. It yeah. makes no sense. 
I think Adam Baldwin said there was one spot on the ship, this like stairwell that never got into a single shot. But when he wanted to be alone, he would go and sit in that stairwell and just kind of think. Um, and but that I, I was, think that's the stairwell at the beginning of Serenity when they're doing the long tracking shot that River is maybe, who lying knows? on. No, because I remember them saying that in the commentary because they keep track of those little things. Like actors right. will say it to Joss or one of the produ- line producers or something and they'll be like, oh, we haven't shot this area enough. Let's try and work this on. Yeah. Probably. Um, so, okay, man. So I would love for you to talk about... <laughs> By the way, Mal hits him at least twice in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Simon hits him in the movie yep. uh, in a great reversal. You know, I talk about the, the biggest problem with Serenity is the first 20 minutes aren't necessary if you've seen the TV show, but they had to do it. Right. No, I, oh, I, I, right. I the Shepherds already got it. I love it. Look how fast the plot's moving. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's the one who figures it out, probably because it would later be revealed he used to yeah. be alliance um or or at least he kind of he was affiliate the what actually gets revealed in the comics is that he was a rebel a brown coat who went on a deep cover mission to infiltrate the alliance <laughs> and then <laughs> this is great I, again <laughs> this is always fun in westerns yeah is there a reward <laughs> This is what Whedon did better than maybe has done better than anybody else. It's his ability to change tones so quickly to go from serious to funny and back again and to not make it seem like the show is tonally inconsistent. Like there are a lot of movies, Revenge of the Sith, for instance, where the tone isn't the same throughout and it's confusing and it makes it feel like two movies smushed together. All of these tonal shifts, even though they happen in a span of 30 seconds, just makes sense it makes sense why they go from serious to funny to serious to violent to something else back and forth over and over again i mean there are only two comedies in my lifetime um on network television that can be incredibly broad and incredibly consistent at the same time and that's firefly and the best seinfeld that's it Mm -hmm. Those two shows is it. Any other comedy where they try and go broad, like The Office or, or you know, it never works. Right. Had to shoot Callie again. You know, we're, we're, we're not even 45 minutes into this thing. Boom. Shepard's a you lefty. You saw that look that, bo- that Jane had, though? That was the look yeah. of, I will kill you right now. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if, if Jane had the capacity to be in love with anybody, he'd be in love with her. Um, and oh. they have that great scene together in Serenity where he's like... Well, kill you know, I kill a man in firefight. Nah, I kill a man over a woman. I kill a man if he makes me angry, you know. Or if I'm being paid. Mostly if I'm, if I'm being paid. paid. Mostly if I'm being paid, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. That's the, that's the money shot there with Gina yep. Torres. Yep. That's okay, the, so that is... So much more badass than all you fuckers. <laughs> yeah, she's the most badass. Um, it, it's interesting that she was in the Matrix uh, sequels. Uh, uh, maybe that's where she met Morpheus, a.k.a. Lawrence Fishburne. So yeah. she has what's called a hand-and-a-half shotgun, I believe, which is a shotgun that can be used one or two-handed, which sure. is a really handy <laughs> weapon at close range in particular and when you have good aim. And these are the things you got to read into. It. And this is what's great about Westerns. You have to have a little bit of fetishism of guns and entertainment, which oh, is yeah. Mal's guns and, and 
uh, and her guns and Jane's guns all make sense within the characters. And right. she, she is so aggressive and she's so accurate and fearless that she can have a sawed off shotgun in her pocket that, you know, should only have a range of 10 feet, but she could take someone out at like 50. Mm-hmm, um, and the sure. gunplay in these shows is excellent for the most part. And, and oh, yeah. they show it off in this one. So now we're, again, we're starting to, uh, I don't know. This is an interesting moment because this is the first time that I think it could be argued anybody, maybe except Anara, has ever stood up to Mal on this ship. You know, Simon refuses to back down, and he is. I think it speaks to the strength of his character. Is he Wait, is we willing? Seen River? We haven't seen River yet. Nope. Oh, this he, is all before River. Oh, this is brilliant. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Look but he oh. is willing to let somebody die if he. Th- to you know get what he thinks has to happen you know he will not kowtow to this captain despite how much of a dick he's this captain's been to him or how fearsome this guy is because he needs to keep river safe at all costs that is his motivation and if kaylee dies that sucks but he will make that sacrifice right and and my only criticism of of the movie serenity was that particular uh, uh, relationship which was that when river comes back and they just barely escape the reavers and by the way they would have died if not for river but simon suddenly has enough and says i'm leaving this ship and the captain says get off my ship if you've seen the series that would never have to have that conversation because they've had it a thousand times during the series but you know they felt like they had to do it in the movie um, and yeah, I this, agree with that. And but as dramatic as this is, man, this is setting up one of the best comedic payoffs ever. Oh yeah, you've got them all serious. You've got Jane watching. He's mm-hmm. really sad, you know. Yeah, you he, can he, see that position he's in. That's not an angry. That that's a, no. a position of vulnerability no. where he's hunched over, grabbing his knees. He, he's scared. I think for that's her. the most vulnerable we ever see Jane, other than when he kind of cries when the, the dude sacrifices himself for him in Janestown or whatever. Oh, here we go. In the headlock. Yes. Oh, man. Poor, poor Sean Marr. I bet he, Adam Baldwin's <laughs> pulling so hard on his neck right now. Why is Adam yeah. Baldwin such a dick? He's like legendarily a dick. I, I think he's just a bad person. I mean, yeah. he gave out people who, during Gamergate, he gave out the home addresses and home contact info for people who criticized gaming culture he is super, super conservative. He's just wait, 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 wait. wait. He was defending gaming culture in yeah. his sick, twisted way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was. So doxing. he was not going after Felicia Day, or he was going after. No, Felicia he was going Day. after her. I, I don't know if he went after her specifically, which is he, amazing because she's friends with everybody else on this ship, essentially. Pretty much. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think anybody on this show really hangs out with uh, Adam Baldwin in their spare time. I mean, Felicia Day is definitely friends with Nathan Fillion and Joss Whedon and Alan Tudyk at the very least. And the others are more private. Buffy is what made her. I mean, Felicia Day broke into television because of Buffy. Well, that may be true, but Joss Whedon said Dr. Horrible would have never happened without the guild. True, but he probably wouldn't have known who. And now we finally get River. Um, God. And that whole Jeez, sequence of, is so this amazing. love? Is she for you? I Again, really funny, and it just, it flips tone so fast and with such precision. I don't know that any show has ever pulled that off. I Star Trek had pretty much one tone the whole time through. This is almost impossible to pull off, network yeah. or not. 
that even before he tells Mal what's going on, you just feel in your bones that yeah. this isn't a lover's situation. This is a, a, a at worst a friend's and probably a familial situation. Right. He's crying. She's Look crying. Look at the facial acting for both of oh, them. God. All of the actors on this show are good at this. But again, I mean... I buy completely the love and, and concern 100%. his eyes, the thousand percent and craziness in her eyes. Yeah. Everybody, you know, the, the, the fear in Jane's eyes that Kaylee might die. Facial acting is really, really critical. It's not the only thing, but it is so important. And these guys are all awesome at it. You know, the silly goofiness in everything about Wash's character. Here we until go again. We see his depths, um, Talk, you know, but the way he's holding off. her, leading her i mean these are all really subtle acting tics and they're all really really good i mean i, I you know i praise uh atj and uh elizabeth olsen and, and ultron for being brother or sister but this level of difficulty of brother or sister is so high i don't know what you know mixed uh or, or any forget the gender any sibling relationship yeah. can compare it to this look at her she's the problem with summer glow is she has such a specific voice she's sticking her tongue out right she's again she's such a, a specific look switch. a specific voice but i'm dude i'm telling you man in the sarah connor chronicles as the, ter- the reprogrammed terminator she is fantastic because in some ways it's the opposite of this character because you think she's emotionless but sometimes right. when the chip malfunctions and the emotions come out you don't know whether to believe them or not and she plays it in such a way that you're you're being manipulated <laughs> sorry adam Baldwin. meanwhile i have to continue extolling the way uh sean mar delivers this monologue the way he's his face changes the way his tone in his voice changes yeah. Yeah. the way his voice inflects all extremely powerful emotionally resonant you know it, it makes clear how he wants his character to, to talk about her it's an exceptionally well executed monologue yeah um, you know, and the he's way setting he, up the whole universe. I mean, he's right. he's setting up the entire scenario that'll go from here all the way through the series and the movie. For sure. Um, so okay, so this river program. So if you look at the movie and the TV show, it's pretty consistent. Yeah, um, for the most part. In the show, he clearly does not save her himself. In the movie, he saves her himself. Whatever. That was a tiny retcon they had to do. The, you know, the saving of it and how old she was and so forth. You had to do it for the movie. But right. the basic themes of what were going on to her in uh, the show and the movie are very consistent. And I think, you know, the show... Joss Whedon said, I'm reading here, he thought this was going to go seven seasons. That's how great he thought this was. I think Joss Whedon's greatest sin, which is not a sin for us who are enjoying it now, is thinking this was as good as it is Mm -hmm. and planning ahead and not spoiling everything immediately. And so when he got a chance in the movie, he threw a whole bunch of stuff in that he wanted to get in. But I I know that he was already planning at least two or three seasons forward. And if you look at the River storyline, until Ariel, she's kind of in the background as just a crazy girl, right? And then slowly as the season goes on, and again, people, when we talk about the season, we're talking about the actual planned season as you're seeing it on DVD or Netflix. As the season goes on, starting with Ariel, we start to see River take more and more of a prominent part. And this is a great discussion here. Go ahead, buddy. Right. I mean, it's really aerial and specifically objects in space where we finally start to see 
river kind of what she is beyond a crazy scared girl you know it's in, i would uh, love to do objects well, in space with you at some point that episode is so bizarre, bizarre. yeah it, it's really a, a weird ass way to end the show um but uh and, and i can understand kind of why they filmed that one and then they later went and filmed the message mm-hmm. um but yeah it uh I, I don't know. Um, I, I think Whedon probably did envision this as going seven seasons or whatever. I think he wrapped up as much of the story as he could in Serenity. And I think fans of this, you know, if you want to read the comics, that'll continue the story a little bit. There have been a few post-Serenity comics that have come out that are kind of interesting. But, you know, nothing quite captures this magic. Um, and, and what's great about this scene is it shows you exactly why and how everyone voices dissent to Mal, but ultimately does what he says. And the only one who doesn't, you know, eventually do what he says is Simon because of his sister. Mm-hmm. And he'll get punched by her over and over again, by him over and over again. I think he's about to get punched again right here. Yeah. Um, in a few minutes when he says, uh, what did, what did the Alliance do that turned you into their, their dog or something mm-hmm. like their pet or something like that? He says something really mean. So, right. Uh, so when Nara's trying to be on the sly with him, he's always sensitive to it. She thinks she's like suddenly, you know, uh, subtly manipulating him in a positive way, but he hates the manipulation and resents her right. or, or claims to resent her for it. Zoe will speak her piece and then do what he says. Uh, you know, Wash is, pointing out the humanity of the situation and makes a joke and then he does it kelly is the most human of all of them but she will ultimately do what he says as well book you know it, it's less clear um i don't know does book ever specifically try and stop mal's hand at like a very major decision sorry say that again oh here we go again this is this is where it's coming sell or me out for the pat on the head uh uh yeah, there we go. Boom. <laughs> I, I was saying, does Shepard, unlike the rest of the crew, ever really tell Mal not to do something on his own mm, ship? I'm not sure he does. Not, <laughs> so not that, that I can think of. I mean... <laughs> but this is what's great. We're in the pilot, but we have all these character moments that already feel like it's been going on for three seasons. Right. I mean, this is what <laughs> this pilot does in a way that the train job didn't. And when we get to the train job, we can talk about this. This is the pilot that really explains character dynamic and that really spends enough time with these people to make you like them. To, no, or not like them, but like watching them, to be invested in them. Train Job is mostly action with just enough characterization thrown in to work as a network pilot. Um, if you watch The Vikings... The relationship between Ragnar and his, his treacherous brother Rollo is exactly like these two guys. Rollo seems too much of a warrior and too stupid. <laughs> pain is scary. That's yeah, pain point. is scary. You know, Rollo's always positioning himself as the strong, loyal, merciless one. But if he gets the right offer, he'll, he'll turn on his brother. And, and Jane is definitely that way. And even in the movie, man, I mean, you know, because of Wash's death and the situation, Jane's a good guy at the very end, but it's not clear that Jane won't flip. Look at that shot right there with the knife. Uh, It's not clear that he won't flip. You know, Jane's Jane. Eventually, he's going to go bad, and they're going to have to... That would be my guess if we're starting to speculate what happens later with the the Firefly uh, crew. He'll have to eject him out the airlock eventually as he threatens to so memorably in Ariel. Right. I, um... This guy's been in a million things, so... 
Yeah, he's there's a name for people who have been in all of or had there's, been in all of Whedon's shows up to that point. He is one of them. The actor who plays Tracy in can um and uh, the message is another. There's, I think, one more, and I can't remember who he plays. Um, but yeah, this guy has been in all of the, had been in all the Whedon shows. I don't think he wound up on mm-hmm. um, Carlos Jascott, I think is that actor's name. Um, I don't think he ever wound up on Dollhouse. Uh, so I guess technically that that whole accolade kind of went away when he made a fourth show. Yeah. But. So, you know, what this guy does is sets up the, you know, increasingly advanced uh, uh, types of operatives that the Alliance, uh, you know, the, the Federation or the Empire, whatever you want to call them, starts sending at Simon and River, you know, which is, of course, realized to a horrifyingly... Uh, uh, a high uh, level of skill uh, with the operative, you know, capital T, capital O, which you would tell Edgia for um, in the uh, in the movie. Um, so uh, really quickly, man, just to tease some more episodes that we might do together and Ariel and a couple others, the men in the blue hands. Mm-hmm. Um, was that just an unrealized thing? Because those end up being the smarter and more sinister guys that come after them. They fail too, but for different reasons. They're not quite as advanced as Edgy of Force character, right? But they're, uh, they seem like the guys that Whedon was building towards like season two, three, four with. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I really think that if Whedon had gotten renewed or, or had even just been able to make a full season of this show, um, or, uh, you know, had been able to tell this story further, I don't think we ever would have gotten Chutel Ejiofor's operative character. I think that was a character he created for the movie to be functional as a two-hour antagonist, and that the the men with the blue hands were always envisioned as the more uh tv television sort of network tv kind of bad guy you know they don't really have characters because they never got enough screen time to have character they are just a malevolent force and as we'll see in ariel they are really malevolent i mean they are horrifying you know the operative is scary it's a very different kind of fear and terror than what the men with the blue hands do and in terms of just sort of a visceral fear the men with the blue hands are much scarier. Um, the operative is scary on a different level for different reasons. Yeah, I disagree. He, I just they're, they're creepier, but he's way scarier. I mean, we see him kill dozens or hundreds of children and and, and, and people. I mean, they just have a really creepy vibe, and they've got like a men in black thing they do to like yeah, make I people's the, ears bleed. But I well, I think the fear the operative induces is kind of it's a fear in your brain of holy cow. This guy is so he believes in his cause so much. He will kill innocent children and like by the, the truckload to see his mission out the fear, the men with the blue hands inspires. You feel that in, in your bones. That's these guys will make you bleed to death out of every orifice in your body to get what they want. That's a little different. That that's very different. This thing, by the way, that, never gets explained but what suicide 
It's a no, it's not. It's even darker. This was a plot Whedon had envisioned for much later in the show, which is it's a drug that uh, companions have that if they take anybody who has sex with them dies. Oh, wow. And, and there was a whole plot episode. That's like uh, the caster thing, right? Isn't caster? Uh, uh, oh, shit. Yeah, this is an orphan black spoil- spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's different than that. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. The, but I know the, what you mean, though. It's actually, yeah, it's like a purposefully sexually transmitted something. Yeah, exactly. And the plot was going to be that she would get kidnapped by Reavers. And raped to death, as they say in the film. Well, and the idea is when they find her, she's alive and every Reaver on the ship is dead. And it the scene we didn't envision was then jo- uh, was oh, kind no. of now getting down on one knee, not to propose or anything like that, but just sort of in awe of her. But the yeah, the the wait, she was going to have sex with all the Reavers to kill they them. They were going to force themselves all on her and then they were all going to die and she was going to survive it. Wow. Of that yeah. even for Whedon is really disturbing. I'm really glad they didn't do that. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> but that's what that, <laughs> that injection is that. Oh, um, we missed the, we missed the joke on Cybet. <laughs> oh, uh, no, we yeah. haven't. I think oh. that's coming. Oh, right, because she, she starts fading away, right. and they play it with the emotional music and the way he looks. Yeah. Look how uncomfortable he is about even the possibility that she might die. Always taking care of Kaylee. You know, one of the sweetest moments is she makes fun of her, and uh, I, uh, I always forget the name of it, the episode with the duel and the dance, uh, and, you know, about the stupid dress oh, she's looking at. that's interesting, by the and, way. Yeah. yeah. That's, I want to point that out real quick. May, he May. Calls that her means a little sister. May- yeah, exactly. That's what, uh, that's, um, I call my little Simon, sister that <laughs> that's Simon's pet name for river is May. No, I've been calling my sister May- that for like 10 years because of that. There you go. Yeah. But it's very, very interesting that that's the phrase he uses to refer to her. I, I, I never picked up on that before. Another sign of a good show is you keep, uh, learning new things every time you rewatch it. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I wonder if he sees his relationship in, with Kaylee in parallel to Simon's with River in a way. I mean, look at the way he looks at her and touches her. It's so mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. Well, he's more protective of her than he is anything else. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. have amorous feelings towards her the way he does towards Inara. I mean, nope. he's very twisted up. He even says, you spin me about mm-hmm. in the movie about how he doesn't exactly know how he feels about her. Uh, she doesn't know exactly how she feels about him, which is what makes their relationship interesting. Yep. Um, but this yeah, is great. Kelly, Kelly immediately thinks she's pretty and uh, yeah. And Kelly's, that's the thing is, is Kelly ends up loving river, but it's especially Simon's love for river that Kelly finds irresistible despite bit, yeah. all of his other faults. You know, the fact that he'll do anything to save anyone on the crew, but especially Kelly and especially his sister, she's just finds irresistible, you know? Um, I think river is also the only one that, Kaylee, I don't know if she can relate to River, but she sees the two of them as closer to each other than she is with anybody else. In part because throughout this season, she kind of thinks of herself as kind of meek. And until she sees River look badass, she thinks River is meek on some level as well. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. You know, and so she can't relate to to Zoe, who is this badass... I will rip you apart with my bare hands and then blow your brains out with a shotgun chick. And she 
worships Inara as much as they are friends who relate to each other on a personal level. She very much is in fantasizes about having that life of, you know, having handsome men fawn over her and having to wear gorgeous, getting to wear gorgeous clothing That's all the time. Man, I completely I disagree with you. On I these think she admires Inara's lifestyle for sure. She definitely admires it, and, and at moments would like to have it. Anything. No, she doesn't. She likes being a grease monkey. She loves what she does. I don't see her as a weak character. She doesn't no, always I don't stand think up she for is herself. A weak character. But. I think she thinks of herself as weak compared with either of them um but I she's, think a, she, but she's she a truth teller what the, she's a truth teller and there's yeah. a certain strength that that comes from being the one that that is the only one telling the truth and that's part of what mal and everyone else loves about her yeah she's not the strongest in terms of being a badass but i, I definitely wouldn't want to tangle with her i mean you know that's what's no, so I, great about the party scene um, with the dress is that, you know, there are all these quote unquote pretty girls are making fun of her. And in the end, she ends well, up being the most popular acting. one. Look at, look at how Sean Mars expression changes. They're great. Those two together. Look at what it, he's doing, really the way his it. head, t- I, I can't get over how good the ticks are and how much information is passed in these very subtle mo- movements. Yep. Um, maybe the only moment when there's any slow mo oh, is higher. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a giant joke, you know? I mean, that's the thing. You got to get the cast to buy into it. Look at Sean Barr. <laughs> right. And this is where building the entire ship or damn near all of it really, yep. really helps yep. is because you can do a shot like that where he runs through a corridor. Yeah. And that's what's great about the first, like, set. Oh, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> They're all laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah oh i'm a bad man i love that i uh again these tonal shifts that makes perfect sense but are hard to pull off because they go back to something else um and again right there there is this begrudging respect between the two of them even though i don't think they ever like each other i don't think at the end of serenity they like each other um they just kind of understand each other maybe Simon and Mal? Yeah. In well, part because I think what Simon wants, what he yeah. believes in, he's it. really, you know, he's the idealist. You know, what his ideals are, are yeah. I have to protect my sister. But I think Mal recognizes that he has lost his idealism completely and he sees Simon as having something that he wishes he still had or that he misses maybe on some level. Just like he misses the optimism Kaylee has, the ability to you know to be intimate with people the way inara has it the true badassness you know the 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 faith that book has um yeah but honestly kaylee's honest with people and men specifically with people in general in the way inara never is because inara is playing a front you know i I think inara is jealous of kaylee at times too you know that's what they admire in each other no but but that's what i'm saying is make so that's what makes us so bold and brilliant and you know and and amazing it is uh, those things no character completely has hand quote-unquote from a dramatic standpoint over any other character they all have complexities they all have positives and negatives you know i mean jane's the one that has the most uh, the most negatives compared to positives but you know when he does come through it makes it even more glorious 
Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's what I was saying earlier. Is I actually think of Kaylee as a very strong character who gets stronger as, as it goes along. I think, I think she is a terrific character. I think she begins to believe in herself as the show goes on. But in Out of Gas when she gets tied up, you can see how upset she is with herself for not standing up to him for, for just kind of cowering beneath Jubal early and whether or not that was the appropriate reaction or not. It seems to me that she thinks of herself as weak because of how she handled that situation. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't see that same weakness in her. I think she sees it in herself and that makes it hard for her to relate, especially to Zoe. Yeah. In part because also Kaylee is very talkative and outgoing, and Zoe is very taciturn and inward, except when she's with Wash, which is what makes their relationship interesting. All of yeah. these dynamics play off of each other, and it's what makes this universe so intoxicating to go back into over and over again. I, I feel like I know most of these episodes by heart, and I still love rewatching it just because all of the different levels, everybody is interacting with everybody else. It's just, it's perfect it, or, or damn near close but, to it. But to take it to the fucking Bechtel test or whatever, I mean, the fact that you have two female characters like Inara and uh, Jewel Status Kelly being so right. close and having such a complex and awesome friendship and Zoe to just be doing her own thing. I mean, she only deals with Mal and Jane professionally and she only deals right. with her husband personally. It's not that she doesn't like Kelly and, and, and Nara. She doesn't deal with them. Like, right. that's a, we need more of this, right? You right. know, because these are the complex interactions between various genders that are, are, are real to life. And I don't know why Joss Whedon had to do this in half season in 2002 and no one very few other people seem to be able to do it at least on network television yeah i just this show had this this perfect blending of script and actor and director and just sometimes i if you want to call it lightning in a bottle fine because it just seems like this was this really really good um you know confluence of forces and it's just it hasn't happened again not really battlestar galactica came really darn close but maybe just because the plot is and the themes are so dark, it's not a series that I have wanted to go back to the way I have well, with 73 Firefly. episodes compared to 14. I mean, it's, it's also right that's now. also true. And a friend of mine once made the point. We think this show could have been great for years on end. And this is what I wanted so, to ask you. So go, I love that you're going this way. Go ahead. It's, a, it's also just as possible this show would have gone downhill, that there was only really ever enough substance for one season or maybe two. And that, we, you know, one of the great things about Firefly is how few episodes there are because oh. it stands as this, you know, A plus collection of TV episodes and a movie that I would probably give an A minus to. Um, and that if we had 100 episodes or 70 episodes, they probably wouldn't all have been this good. You know, there is. Yeah, I disagree. I think A plus movie and the A plus movie Fine. for me shows Fine. that they could have done two, three seasons, really good, two or three really good Maybe. seasons. But there are episodes even in this season that are not as good as the other ones. Of course, of course. And, and they, so they knew they were canceled halfway through too. I mean, there's, you know, yeah. this is this is totally a Heisenberg uncertainty principle situation. Yes. You know, absolutely. Um, and and that being said, if they got to do the HBO or the the Vikings History Channel model of ten to twelve episodes a season, 
they could have gone many seasons. So Maybe. if you take the best 10 to 12 of the 14, that's a flawless first season. And right. then you could take the Serenity storyline, and that's an entire second season if you do it right. You know, I, I actually think that the Reavers was meant to be a third season thing, is how Whedon describes it. Oh, this is great. Jane looks at the gun, right? And he looks at Mal. Uh, <laughs> good. Oh, no. First he beats up the guy. Then Jane's going to look. I think I'm a little behind you. And then Jane's going to look at the gun. Yeah, he looks through the scope, and he smirks. <laughs> but he doesn't ever really think of it. You know, he's laughing, but he's never actually really considering it, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's always considering it. He sells him out in Ariel. He does. And uh, Mal knows is- it. That's the greatest Mal, Jane. I, I mean, that dramatically, that's maybe the best, you know. When, when you think Mal's bought the lie and knocks him out, throws him in the airlock, opens the door, flies sure. out of Atmo. Yeah, this is this is way too much much a mustache twirling. And so I, I do understand from that standpoint why the network wanted them to move it along. But this is great. This conversation with Patience, she's so psychotic. You can already tell her horseback riders. This is all in Southern California, which made this very cheap to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Fox was thinking when they approved it. And then I don't know what they yeah. were thinking when they disapproved it. Yeah, I think they never quite knew what they had. I don't know why they brought in the show if they were going to just shove it on at Friday at 9 p.m. and let it be, uh, let it be, you know, just get no ratings ever. I, they just, I don't know if one group approved it and the other group had to put it on the air or what. I, I, I never got it, but whatever. Well, it puts Whedon um, in sort of a weird position because he had a long-standing relationship with Fox that was up and down in a lot of ways, and then he had a relatively long-standing situation with Disney, with Marvel that was up and down in various ways. I mean, he's openly c- complained about how much he gets paid for these things. I can't blame him, you know? Right. I mean, you can replace a thousand producers in Hollywood. It's really hard to replace a Joss Whedon or a J.J. Abrams or a, you know, or a fucking, you know, right. Steven Spielberg in his prime. I mean, these guys never get paid enough. This was totally a work of love. And, you know, one thing as we move to the close here that I think we can agree on is that the cast and the crew... Uh, as well as with director and writer, uh, were completely committed to this thing from beginning to end, whether or not they knew it was ending even before they started, which is what a mind fuck that would be, right, man? I mean, Mm -hmm. think about that. If it was just even in the air as you're getting started that it's already being canceled, and for them to put in these performances, they never mail it in. Trying, you know, to keep putting the work in when they knew the ratings were bad because they were making episodes as older ones were airing, you know, they didn't shoot everything and then it all aired. They kind of were putting them out in pieces and chunks. Um, I'm not sure why they did it that way, but that's, that is how they did it. And so to keep wanting to put in the emotional energy to, to making this show, you know, good, it speaks a lot to both the, the caliber of the actors and Whedon and also how committed they were to this particular project. Here we go. <laughs> it's a nice way to do a headshot without having to do an actual headshot. Definitely. Yeah, the guy starts pushing the thing forward. She's got the... <laughs> Wash, got his foot up on the, on the dash there. Yeah. Yep. You know, the I way mean, he sits, the way he... Uh, he looks so young. I um, One of the I, things that's interesting about this show also that I was thinking about is... Everybody relates to everybody else, but not everybody talks to everybody else, 
in equal doses. No. Like, does, do Wash and Book ever talk to each other? I don't think so. Just in um, passing over, like, dinner conversations. Yeah, but yeah. there's never a one-on-one conversation between them. Um, everybody no. else, I think, has at least one conversation. Well, that's but a sitcom thing, too. We have very limited yeah. conversations with each other. But, yeah. you know, the idea that even on this tight ship, there's not clickiness, but there is people... You know, they have people they're more friends with. Again, yeah. and a moment of incredible bravery by Simon, you know, that he doesn't even think. He just jumps off a fucking catwalk. Um, yeah. I mean, in Seinfeld, when Elaine is hanging out with just Kramer or just George, it's so awkward that they always make a bit out of it on the show. Because it's all, every, the three of them are all through Jerry. That when they actually have to hang out with each other, it, it never makes sense. And so they make it into a joke. Yeah. And this show, yeah, the book only talks to certain people. This gunfight makes no sense. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just great that they're doing that. Zoe's fine. Yeah. Oh. And interesting uh, little bit of continuity here. So, <laughs> shoots the horse. In uh, Heart of Gold. Oh, oh, oh the SPCA is not going to be excited about that. No, probably not. No. Um, but in Heart of Gold, he's telling all the hookers don't shoot a horse a dead horse's cover a live horse's chaos and yeah. what does he do in this episode he kills the horse so did he learn a lesson that he took too hard of gold even though shooting the horse worked out pretty well or was it a little uh inconsistent i would love to talk to you about that episode because i'm not sure if that episode is great or just so so i go back and forth uh uh-oh, I don't here's think the it's one of my favorite, but it, here it's... we go. This looks great. I mean, this is the thing. This looks way better than the budget. And then mm-hmm. Serenity took this concept and made it even ten times better than it was. I mean, the Reaver stuff in Serenity is so cool. I'm not even a big like scary aliens or zombies guy, and I loved it in the movie, having not seen the show before. Um, and so maybe that was a completely new thing. I mean, it's yeah. In some ways, Serenity, you know, they only they only teased the, the Reavers. Um, here, they make you very scared, and then we see in a few episodes of Bushwhack, which you don't like, which maybe we'll talk about, and then that's pretty much it, right? Until the movie, right. and so yeah. it, it's it just it, it's just a separate thing. I'm I'm totally cool with that because uh, from a story standpoint, the Reavers serve as the bridge between Rivers' insanity and her gating sanity and mm-hmm. clarity, and yeah, exactly. connecting that with the Alliance being a horrible Big Brother scenario, <laughs> and because <laughs> they're able to fit in all those themes. And by the way, the woman in the hologram. You know, in Serenity, he would describe what's going on. Right. And, and she's getting eaten by Reavers and raped yep. by them, like on Sarah Hologram. Paulson. Sarah Paulson, who they recasted specifically for Sarah Paulson because Joss wanted, didn't love the first one and wanted her to be on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just it, it, it really works for me. And I'm usually horrified by horror movies. But Joss, for whatever reason, Joss's properties with the horror stuff just work, continues to work for me. I hope he gets to do it again. If he wants to do a Star Wars movie, that's great. But if he wants to do something more like horror indie sci-fi, I hope he gets a chance to do that. You know Simon's not going to do it. No. Oh, this is where Mal comes in, right, and just shoots him in the head. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty much that's about to happen right now. And that's about as good an image of what this show conceptually is, is horses riding onto a spaceship. <laughs> I mean, that this idea of the sci-fi western. Yep. My favorite is when is the 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 semi reveal at the end of uh <laughs> and that's it 
And we're just oh gonna. Oh my god, I'm a little behind you. Yeah, I knew it was coming though. The the one where him and Inara are sitting there with the the cattle wandering around the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, shuttle bay. A really well shot moment that one is. Um, awesome, awesome. Yeah, yep. I mean, we got the Kobe Smolders headshot in uh, the first Avengers. Yep. We got two headshots here. We got the Jane headshot, the guy in the horse with the hat, and we got that <laughs> headshot. So, you know, Josh tries to get it in where he can. I appreciate that about him. You know how I feel. If you're going to have violence, make it mean something. These people's lives matter. You know what I mean? And um, there's actually more killing in in the first couple of episodes of uh, Firefly than in most of the other ones. There's surprisingly little, fewer instances after the train job where Mal outright kills a guy. Certainly like that. Heart of Gold, there's a war. You got to figure some of those people died. He kills um, people, but it's not as obvious. Probably. Yeah. Um, Which is why they had to do it in the uh, you know middle end of Serenity uh, when, when they're on Shepard Book's planet and, and you know, he kills the guy who's half dead already before he tells them to you know, uh, put all the bodies onto the, uh, the hull of the ship to, to burn in that and, and be skeleton. Look at this. This is great. Boom. Yeah, the hand on the shoulder, again, really powerful, subtle message that, you know, up until now where he's kind of been making fun of her, they don't seem to like each other all that much. That's not the first, but one of the first really big clues yeah. that there are multiple levels. To how I don't know. Job. Being a man, I never don't feel from minute one to minute end that Mal wants Inara. I mean, it's so obvious whether he's being mean sure. or nice. It always feels like he wants her. But it's maybe okay. And so I'm not saying that because of uh, Morena Bakram being beautiful, which she is. I'm just saying reading his signs as oh, yeah. a man, I, you know, probably. Maybe then I'm not particularly that, subtle. So that she is bringing that's a very sensual act to put his hand on her bare shoulder. Absolutely. And it's the first one we've seen in admittedly yeah. the first episode of this show. Well, contrasted to I, all the men that she slept with, this little touch on yes. the shoulder is so intimate. That's that's really and it mean, affects I mean, her more than all of the stuff that happens to her when she's yeah. seeing a client. You know, nothing they say has any effect on her, but that affects her that he will put his hand on her like that but again if this idea is he's bringing people onto the ship to replace what he lost in the battle of serenity valley that's maybe a sign that uh she is bringing something out of him that she is restoring something in this in him well Uh, let's not forget inara has no love for the alliance but she's certainly not pro-rebellion and she makes that clear on numerous occasions unification yeah, but she doesn't care about that. She doesn't no. care who he. Yes, he, she doesn't care about that. But I'm saying he loves her not just in spite of that, but she reminds him that the things that he was so self righteously fighting for, mm-hmm. he, he need even need to be questioned, right? Yeah, like, the idea that there's good people on both sides. Exactly. Exactly, and that's why the operative is you know, and the and Serenity is the perfect thing to put between them because he's so psychotic that she can no right. longer take their side. Mm-hmm. But as long as some people, and here's the interesting question, Matt. Well, shot scene for probably this a is a great CGI, little uh, yeah. Uh, 
This looks awesome. We won't talk about the barn swallow uh, and uh, Serenity, which is both a, a fantastically cool. named this maneuver. This is a cool bit of this, like, is this idea really of the crazy cool. It's a really well so shot do, thing. Do they blow it up? Do they blow it up with the the engines, or it just pushes it for far out, far enough out? They of range? blow it up. They vent some kind of fuel into the atmosphere and yeah, do a rapid fire. burn, yeah. a rapid 180 degree spin, and then they yeah. ignite the Firefly drive. And it ignites the fuel or whatever it is, and it blows them up. No, what it's I really explosive. What I really like about Whedon's view—that was great. What I really like about Whedon's view of this semi-utopia, semi-dystopia is that it's I don't possible. Think it's either. I think that's his point. Is it's yeah. neither. Well, well, it's well hold on. The future. Sorry. Well, go ahead. Let me finish my thought, and then you'll see that's where I'm going. Which is that even if eighty percent of the people are benefiting. If the other 20% are living the way that we see so much, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that our our country and our society needs to take into account is it's not just enough to get 60 to 80% of people up to a decent level. <laughs> oh, here we go. Work, work, work. <laughs> <laughs> this this is a physical relationship that never should work, but works a thousand percent. You could totally tell they love being with each other. Well, the scene in War Stories oh where he takes her to bed and grabs her ass on the way out. I yeah. thought that was so good. She's so uh, relaxed with him. She's completely a different character. Uh, mm-hmm. Gina Torres, again, the most understated of all the a- actors, nails it. So as we head to the end here, ma'am, Oh, here we go. This is the this is the uh, Mary, mother of Jesus thing. Yeah, exactly. And again, this might be the last time they talk. I don't think they talk to each other all that much after this. Maybe a little bit, but you know, Only book forms stuff, his yeah. closest relationship with Jane, which is interesting. You know that that book is the one Jane actually opens up to a little bit about so the, what. But his, this makes no sense to me because if he's a former operative which it turns out that he is, at least according to the later episodes in the movie. Yeah. His sort of innocence play here of seeing violence he never thought he'd see is completely out of character. Yeah, it is actually. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. Nope. What it turns out... But the character it, beats great, so we can live right. with it. You know, it's a good scene. It's shot well, the idea of him kneeling before her, of her taking confession from him. Yep. You know, this change of roles when he initially doesn't approve of her lifestyle all of that works but the comics make it clear that he was an al- a brown coat who went on a deep cover assignment to infiltrate the alliance and basically intentionally tanked an alliance battle where they lost many ships where basically he through his fake incompetence whoa, led whoa, to wait. The death he, was, of- he was a pro brown coat he was a brown coat okay let's table under- that because i want to hear about all this right. but i want to focus on the character all stuff right. This brother sister stuff's amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love this stuff. I, yeah. I, and it's why I love the episodes. So thing. you have a younger brother, but not a younger sister. Yeah, I have a younger brother. It's um, very different, man. <laughs> I, I have no doubt. I mean, I, I it's would very guess different, different yeah. brothers have different relationships to each yeah. other. No, I mean, especially when your younger course, sister we don't talk is to each other like this. But yeah, um, no, I, well, me neither. But I'm saying, when you have a younger sister who's more sensitive than you, who's probably smarter than you, who's right, you know, who has incredibly talented but is sensitive, and you just want to defend at all costs. 
So I'm t- I can tell you that when I met my brother-in-law, who I love from the minute I met him, was like the greatest day of my life. Because I was like, thank God, I, I can pass this off, at least partially, <laughs> to another man and not have to bear this burden anymore. Because when I was a, fr- a senior in high school, she was a freshman, like... I was genuinely concerned, you know, like I I was going to kill anyone who looked at her the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And so I'm completely with Simon, you know, I I would would have and would continue to throw myself at danger that I couldn't handle. And I think that's what Mal ends up respecting so much about him. Uh, uh, Or maybe just his spine in general. He sees Simon as spineless, but he ends up having the most spine. And maybe that's what Mal ends up respecting. Yeah, oh, I, I here it that, is. Sorry, yeah, that'll be an interesting whole, day. Yeah, I imagine it will. It's an incredible. <laughs> that's a great scene. Uh, one, mm-hmm. I like that Jane tells him the truth, even if he doesn't say, "Yeah, he offered me a deal." The signal he gives is, "Yeah, he offered me a deal." He's honest with him, even as he's telling him, "I almost betrayed you." Um, mm-hmm. And then <laughs> I do like that Jane gives him the shoulder on the way. Yep. Um, oh, but back to a point you made earlier about maybe Mal coming to respect or like Simon at the end of Serenity. I think right. just vis a vis the property of River is why. I mean, you know, that final scene of Serenity where River's sitting at the co pilot's console and flying the ship. <laughs> and he's like, well, you've got the, uh, you know, you've got the talent or the skill or whatever. You know, he yeah. Does. And he says, uh, you know the you know the the first rule of flying is nothing so you even there see a begrudging respect even early on when all simon has done is made life much much harder for mal yeah um and that's why this conversation is the entire first 20 minutes of the movie but that's fine you know i I guess that's the main flaw of the of the pilot after you watch all this is that it's it's a little repetitive but they had to do it (laughs) Uh, right but this right how do i know you won't kill me in my sleep calls him son i find that interesting yep he is an older fellow you know i mean he's not no. a lot older well, look than at the scene of shot where they're both facing each other yep. at a good distance it's a great it's, shot you know they might respect each other but there is a lot of physical yep. Yep. and Im- distance between them in this yep. scene so the idea that they are not on the same side they are they are allied, even yeah. though, but it's kind of a, a and I don't know what to, what to call they'll it. Never, they'll friendship. never like each other, but because right. of their mutual love of River, they'll, they'll find a way because, you know, he, he says, well, he you're a psychic. Simon, Simon, separately of his, yeah. what he understands. No, River he does, he does, he does, he does. But I think um, that, 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 that moment of sort of psychic unity that they get where he's like, well, you're a psychic, you know what I'm going to say, you know, he says, what's the first rule of flying you know what i'm gonna say and she goes yeah but i like to hear you say it right that's a moment of bonding that him and simon never have no and maybe never could have so i'm just saying you know simon as a personality will be the one that binds them together he can put up with some of simon's you know prettiness or whatever <laughs> you know that that bothers him so much it of course would kaylee like simon that makes mal jealous even though he doesn't have a romantic thing for kaylee which is great sure. you know so this was awesome man um i would also say just before we wrap up yeah i think there is something that simon also admires or or maybe resents i don't know what the right word is but recognizes in mal is that mal actually sees river as a person as a person with a skill set that can benefit the ship whether it's as a psychic you know we see this in serenity whether it's as a psychic predicting who might draw a gun in a robbery or as a pilot whereas all he sees is his sister that needs to be protected 
and maybe it's not until he finally see Simon finally sees River come alive and kill all the Reavers that he understands that she can be more than just sees that is his sister that needs to be protected. All right, man. Well, that was a great episode commentary. Um, how would you like to proceed? With I mean, I'm, this? I'm down to do the whole damn thing. <laughs>